Hello, everybody. Find your seats, find your seats. Well, we're so excited that you're here with us tonight, and, and I'm so excited to get the opportunity to introduce uh, Scott uh, tonight. Many of you know Scott. Can we give, give him some love tonight. Scott, I'm going to move. Loren's trying to take a picture, so I'm going to move a little closer to you. Should we? Should we? That was awesome. So I'm just so excited for, uh, for tonight for Scott to come and share from the Word. And I just want to take a second. I want to pray for him, and then I'm going to hand over, and he's, he's, going, to, he's going to take over. Father, we just lift up Scott to you tonight, God. As, as he has come tonight prepared, Father, we recognize that your Spirit still moves. And so, Father, I just pray a rich blessing over him. I pray that if there's any uh, fears or nerves, God, that you'd calm them. That we would be reminded tonight that, that while Scott is preaching, God, it's you who's speaking through him. And God, would you just speak mightily tonight? Change hearts and change lives like only you can do. We lift up Scott to you tonight, God. And uh, I just pray for everyone in this building tonight that, that we would have ears and eyes and hearts that are open to hear your word tonight, God. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Cool. Thank you, Pastor Luke. So, like he said, my name is Scott, and I'm one of the worship leaders here at Elaming Adults. I'm on the lead team, and uh, I'm also a student at Horizon College and Seminary right here in Saskatoon. Um, I'm in my last year here at Horizon, and I moved from Winnipeg just a little over a year ago and uh, got involved here right away. And honestly... One of the best things, you know, honestly, Kate, my glasses are so dirty that I just can't see anything. Um, but um, but uh, I got involved here right away when I moved to Saskatoon, and it's been probably the best. No, it has been the best thing I've done since I moved here. Um, the friends who are starting to feel like family that I made here, and... It's my favorite night of the week, it's Tuesday nights, hanging out with everybody here, hearing your stories, getting to know you. And if you're new here and you have not gotten plugged in, I highly recommend you do because it might also be the best decision you make as well. Go talk to those people at that donut-shaped desk. They'll get you plugged in. And um, yeah, I'm from Winnipeg. I was born here, raised there. Um, I don't know. I work for this school. I have a donut Instagram page. That's Scott Eats Donuts. Go follow it. Um, <laughs> it's really good. I haven't been to Dark Side yet, for anyone wondering, because I've been asked several times. Um, but so tonight we're talking about finances. And it's a bit of like a touchy subject in churches sometimes. And I've been in churches long enough that I've heard a few sermons on this subject. And usually it's about tithing and giving to the church. Most of the time. And that's not a bad thing. Those are really important topics, and it's important to talk about that kind of stuff. But it's not really where we're going today. Um, today, I want to just be really practical with you guys, and I want to kind of just cover some basic stuff because we're in this continuum series, and we're all hopefully trying to be on the path to be more like Jesus. And so I just want to my prayer for tonight is that each and every one of you might just take one more step in that journey, becoming more like Jesus. And, and I believe that finances are a really big part of that. So I hope that you walk away with 
like one thing at least, one thing that you can do that'll put you one step closer towards that goal because finances can be stressful, whether it's, um, whether it's saving money, paying down debt, or trying to figure out how to be generous. Finances can be something that we really get stressed about, but I, I don't believe that we should have to worry about finances, hopefully. And I believe that there is a path out of like financial trouble and debt and all those other things because we get really stressed about money. And financial stress is one of like the leading causes of problems in relationships. It's one of the leading causes of divorce in North America. Um, it can get in between your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your friends. And it, when we're in financial trouble, we can feel a lot of shame. And we can feel like it's hard to talk about. But I just kind of want to start a dialogue here tonight and get us towards a healthier place. So, yeah, tonight, um, just a little bit of my story. I, uh, so I started working in high school when I was like 15 or 16. Had a few like very high school jobs and wasn't making great money, just like minimum wage jobs. And I thought that I was really good at saving money at first because I was 15 and 16 and I didn't have anything to do. So I just didn't sit spend any money. Then I got a license and I realized I'm really bad at saving money and I'm really good at spending money. Because you start hanging out with your friends, I started going to restaurants, found out that Winnipeg has like a fairly lively restaurant scene, much like Saskatoon, and I went to a lot of them. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about food tonight, just as an aside, so get ready for that. Um, <laughs> but and then, so I graduated high school, and I was like doing okay with money. Um, I went into a two-year business program in Winnipeg, and I was able to pay for that, barely. I got through it, and I had a little bit of debt by the end of it, but I made it through. And then I, uh, I knew I wanted to come to Saskatoon to come to Bible college, but I didn't really have any money, so I knew I needed to work for two years, and then I could make it out here. And that should be easy, right? Two years to save. I was making pretty good money. I was like selling auto parts at an auto wrecker, which was like the weirdest two years of my life. But, and then I was like, okay, like this will be easy. I can do this. I'm making good enough money. It should be pretty comfortable once I move to Saskatoon. But instead what happened was I, I bought a car. Um, I went to Chicago. Then I went to Denver. Then I went to Portland. And then I, uh, again, kept going to restaurants, um, kept getting food, got a gym membership after that. I, and I found myself saving less and less and that that two-year deadline was getting closer and closer and eventually it was just up. And I was like, I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm going to do it. I don't really have enough money, but I kind of do if I'm smart. Which up until that point I hadn't been, so there was no reason to think that I would be, but I did it anyways. And now I'm here and it's been hard. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but so I, I just tell you this because I can't relate to all of you in this room. You guys are all in different situations. But I, I just tell you that to let you know that I've kind of been in a lot of your situations, whether it's going through school, trying to pay for that, whether it's paying down debt or working full time and trying to just be a good steward of what I have and save money and, and be generous at the same time. I, I get what it's like to struggle with finances. I'm never going to be able to relate to all of you, but I think I can relate to a lot 
of the situations that you're in. So tonight we're going to try to look at a few of those situations. And um, yeah, I recommend you take notes. That, that might help. I don't know. I'll hopefully say something worth writing down. And uh, whether it's on your phone or on a notebook, we're, we don't really have like a main Bible passage we're going to be looking at tonight. We're going to be bouncing over all over a little bit. But yeah, right, it's going to be good. So yeah, first off, um, if there's one thing I want you to go to this message, it's that God actually really cares about your finances. And, um, yeah, if you, if you look at the way that Jesus taught in the Gospels, he used these parables a lot, which were basically just like metaphors or stories that proved a point. And he used 38 of them in the Gospels. There's four Gospels. And we find 38 of these stories. And 16 of them are about finances and money. That's almost half of his teaching is about money. In, in the Gospels, in these four books, out of all of the verses in them, one in ten verses is has a, having to do something with money. And there is 31,102 verses in the Bible. I counted them all this week. And, <laughs> just can't Google, thank you. <laughs> but of these 31,000 verses, there's over 2,000 of them that are about finances. In comparison, we find 500 verses about prayer and 500 verses about faith, which many people would say are two of the central themes of the Bible and of the Christian faith. There is four times as many verses on finances. So God absolutely cares about your money, and he absolutely recognizes that it's important because money kind of makes the world go around. Um, and he knows that in our hearts that there is going to be probably a bit of a desire to maybe get carried away with our love for money. Psychologists will actually tell you, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Probably all the first year university students are like, I am now. Um, but, but so like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the first like most basic level of our needs is food, air, and water. If we don't have those, we die. Um, and second is just knowing that we're going to have food, air, and water tomorrow. That's our second most fundamental needs is just having security in our safety. And humans are really good at just like getting carried away in that and um, being secure for forever and kind of having the most wealth and the most food and air and money. Not air, but money and food and water. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but God knows that if we're not careful, that we can let pursuit of more money and more wealth consume us. Because after all, money is the root of all evil, right? Right? We've all heard that before. Um, not true. It's not the root of all money. And the amount of times I've heard this verse misquoted is so frustrating. That's not what it says. So it's in 1 Timothy 10, no, 6 verse 10. And it says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, which is very different than money is the root of all evil. It is not the root of all evil. There is good things that can be done with our finances. And God really cares about it. He cares about what we're doing with it. If we look at like the history of the church, we can see how money has been used in a positive way, whether it's building schools or hospitals or churches or places that are helping people. Money can absolutely be a gift, and it can be something that's so positive in our world when used correctly. But it's also something that we allow ourselves to corrupt and, and get carried away with. So these next points... 
Um, they actually come on behalf of Landon Dole, who I don't think is even here tonight. Landon, are you here? Judging by your silence, no. Okay, well, Landon, I met with him last week, and he's amazing. He's part of this community, um, and he's the best. He's a financial advisor at Dole Financial, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But if you, like, ever need help with that stuff, he's an amazing resource, and he's part of this community, and he really cares about you guys. And I met with him last week, and he came so prepared, and he had basically like a sermon written out for me, and I was like, well, why don't you just do this? And he was like, no, you do it. And I was like, okay, well, fine, but you'd probably be better. But here I am. And I, I honestly, in my study, after that meeting, I couldn't find a better resource or better thought process or anybody who laid it out better than Landon did. So we're just going to work with his four slightly revised points. <laughs> Very slightly revised, I promise. So our first point tonight is home. We have four H's. The first H is home. In order to make sure that you're on a path to financial freedom, which, by the way, is just like not needing to worry about money, is being in a secure place where you're planned for the future and financial freedom is just like retirement. You can think of that or whether it's just being able to meet your financial goals and ha living the life as freely as you want to be able to. Financial freedom is a great goal to go towards. And so our first point is home. And this is just the basics. So think like rent money, um, water, those, those basic needs that we all need to pay for and get covered. And this really, this area really comes down to need. So it can look different different for different stages for people. Um, maybe you're at home and you're like, my needs are met, I'm fine. Maybe you just moved out and you're, you're having to pay rent. Maybe you've got that mortgage and you're paying mortgage payments now. It can look different for a lot of us in different stages, but that's a really good place to start your budget is those things that you have to be paying every single month. Um, and not only are you covering the basics in this area, but also do you have a safety net? There's a lot of financial advisors who would suggest Putting, starting off by putting away $1,000, and that's your safety net. And, you know, if an emergency happens, if you get into a car accident, or if you have a family member back home who's sick and you need to jump on a plane and go see them, do you have the resources to be able to do that and not have it throw off your entire year? And so this is not a safety net like, oh, man, I wasn't expecting these Nikes to go on sale. I... I better pull out of my safety net fund and buy them right now. That's, that is not a need. That is not essential. It is, it is so important because it will prevent you from ruining your hard work and putting you behind on payments and allow you to reduce your stress by knowing that, it, that if disaster comes, you are ready for it. And maybe you're a little more secure. Maybe you can actually save more than $1,000. Maybe you're paying three six months you have that in the bank that's amazing and that's a great place to start so our next point our next h is health and this is literally just like your physical health i um yeah like are you eating well are you providing food for yourself are you or are you doing what i have maybe done a time or two and pulling through that mcdonald's drive through because you were not prepared that day to eat are you getting the nutrition you need? And are you doing it in a financially viable way? 
And I, so I'm in Bible college right now, and one of the most frustrating things for me is talking to people who are like, I can't afford groceries, and then they just like eat out all the time. That's dumb. You can't afford groceries. And I, I get it. it. It's really hard to go into a grocery store and fill up your cart, and it comes to over like $100. We're not really used to spending that much on food starting out, and it can be kind of alarming to be like, this is a lot of money leaving my bank account all at once. This is not good. But if you're not doing that, then where are you spending your money and where are you getting your food? Because um, if, you're, if you're not preparing and prepping and planning, you're probably compensating with quick, easy meals, which are garbage. They're terrible for you, and they're expensive. I can, there have been studies done. I have seen the math. It is cheaper to do groceries. Please do that. That's just a very large pet peeve of mine. I've heard so many people say that. But it... Yeah. Um, are you taking care of yourself? If you can, are you paying for a gym membership? Are you being physically active? Is that part of your financial plan, is to keep yourself healthy? And some of you are just like, but I like to eat out. I want to do that. Great, that's fine. Do it. I'm the type of person who one time spent $65 on a single piece of steak. And it was a spiritual experience, guys. Like, <laughs> That was one of the best days of my life. I'll never forget that. It, it honestly changed the way that I eat meat. Um, so do that. But, but it's not about if we can have a little bit of luxury here and there. It's about the kind of habits that we're forming. It's, in the words of the great Landon Dole, personal financial success is 80% behavior and 20% knowledge. Our success down the road is determined by the small choices that we're making every day, not by like the one lucky investment that we made. We're probably not going to invest in Apple in 1970 or like whatever the modern day equivalent of that would be. I don't know. We're not going to win the lottery, probably. That's not a great chance. I'm going to be honest. But I know a lot of people, I was like surprised. I don't know how many people played the lottery until I got out of high school. And I was like, wow, everybody actually does this. That's why it's a million dollars in the pool. That's crazy. Um, but that's not a great financial plan. The chances are you're going to waste a lot of money and never win. Just being honest. Um, so often it's not, it's, it's just simply the $5 coffee that we're passing on. It's the times that we drive by McDonald's instead of through McDonald's. It's the times that we opt for a night in rather than a night out. These are the kind of choices and the kind of habits that we can form that lead to greater financial success. So I want to look at the book of Proverbs real quick. Um, so if we turn to chapter 21, there is one verse that really stuck out to me, and that's verse 20. And it reads, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. We can only go on living like kings for so long, and spending whatever we make for so long before it's going to catch up to us. They say that on average, in North America, the average consumer spends 1% more than they actually make. So we can see why our society has so much debt and has so many problems financially. It can catch up to you if your habits are bad, and it's caught up to me before. That's a story for another time. But it's, it's the habits that we're for forming today that are going to determine our success tomorrow. So now you've taken care of your house, and you've taken care of your health. Um, now it's time to handle the heat. 
which is our fourth, no, third H, third. Um, and when we're talking about heat, we're talking about the areas in your life that are probably causing you the most stress, and that would be debt. And maybe it's a personal loan, maybe it's a credit card, student loan, whatever. Um, debt can cause us so much stress, and it, it sometimes looks insurmountable. But once you have that $1,000 saved, you're taking care of yourself, I encourage you, tackle debt as aggressively as you can. And maybe you're in school and it just kind of has to wait right now. I get it. I've been there. But if you're working, get rid of your debt. Be aggressive. And start with your high interest first. Start with like credit cards. They're usually like 20 23% interest, which is nuts. Start with that and go to the lower interest things and pay that off as fast as you can. The Bible talks about debt too. Romans 13 verse 8 says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Let no debt outstanding. So get rid of the heat. And that brings us to our last H. So you've covered your home, your health, and the heat that you're facing. And now we arrive at the heart. And this is actually, it's the last one, but it's the most important one. Um, because first off, we need to recognize that on this earth, nothing actually belongs to us. Romans 11 verse 36 says that everything comes from God. Everything exists by his power and everything is intended for his glory. So you're all familiar with the idea that we came into this world empty-handed and we leave empty-handed as well, right? It's kind of like, like say you're going on a trip. It's like an all-inclusive resort in like Mexico or something and you're there for a week. And you're like, I'm ready for this. What you probably wouldn't do is start stuffing your mini fridge with as much food as you possibly can and like buying furniture and making sure that you have the nicest, coolest hotel room in the entire place. Because you know that this is a temporary home and you can't take that stuff on the plane ride home. And it's so much like this life. This is not our final destination. And everything that we have here on earth is his, and it's intended for his glory. So check your heart. Do you really believe that your money here isn't worth holding on to? That it's not worth consuming and consuming and consuming? And are you using it to serve God and others? And I'm a musician, I'm a worship leader, and I love to sing and praise God. This, like, tonight was amazing. That, how I fight my battles, that's like my song right now. I love that. That's, oh, that gets me. That's such a good song. <laughs> and I, I love worship, but it's not the only, I love like worship music, but it's not the only way that I worship. I also worship through reading God's word and through praying and talking to God and through my giving, my serving of others and, and giving my resources to him. When we give to the church, it is an act of worship. And we are called to do this. Matthew 6 verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Kind of like where your money, put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your heart is. And over and over again, we see acts of worship and giving to God and how it's supposed to be sacrificial. In Mark, in Mark chapter 12, we see this beautiful story of this like little old lady in church and she goes up to the offering plate and she basically throws like pennies in. And she it's all she has. And Jesus says to his disciples, who just gave more? Was it that woman who threw literal pennies in? Or was it that man over there who threw hundreds of dollars in and could afford it? 
And he says, it's the woman who gave the two pennies because that was everything that she had. God doesn't really care about the specific amount that we're giving. He cares that it's an act of worship. God does not need our money. He's fine. He created everything, and he isn't really reliant on us. But he does ask that when we choose to follow him, that we trust him by offering ourselves and our resources to him. We give to the church the sacrifice that says, God, I trust you. So if you call yourself a follower of Jesus and you have your house in order and you have your health in order and you got rid of the heat, but your heart's not in order, I would actually suggest that the other two are out of order as well. Because really when you're making a budget, this should actually be priority number one is are you giving to God? Are you worshiping him with what you have and with your resources? So that's all I'm talking about tithing and giving. That was easy, right? It was pretty, it was pretty short. Um, and so in those areas, if you want more help, I have four things to say that are just really simple principles. Um, one is the 80-10-10 principle. When you're making a budget, that's 10% to God right off the bat. That's just, we can talk about why it's 10%, but that's just like, I think, a good starting place. 10% um, to savings. Are you saving for your retirement? Are you saving for the future, planning ahead? And 80% to live off of. This is just like a good starting place for your budget. Um, also, like I said, there can be a lot of shame when you're struggling with finances. I know I've definitely felt this when I was doing bad. Um, it's really easy just to like ignore your bank account, never check it, and be like, I'm probably fine still, as you're like tapping and just hoping that everything is a positive number still. And, but just talk, I encourage you, talk to someone. We have, again, someone like Landon is an amazing person. He does free consultations in his office um, where he can help you with budget planning and, and how to actually plan. Um, the other resource is oasischurch.ca slash financial dash resources. That's a website I stumbled on. It's a church in Winnipeg, and they have this entire site with like investment calculators, budget templates, and this one PDF called 331 Ways to Save Money. And I read several of them. Not all of them, I'm not gonna lie, but it's great. It's, it was such a good resource. Um, I encourage you to check those out if you need help with that planning. And uh, Dave Ramsey also has a bunch of really good resources. He's an author. Uh, he's got this radio show every day. And he's like an amazing Christian guy who is so focused on getting people out of debt and has helped thousands of people get out of debt. And he's got some great resources as well. So, um, who here is familiar with the comedian John Christ? Anyone? Yeah. So he's like this Christian comedian. I feel like I see all of his videos, even though I don't follow him anywhere. They just all get sent to me, and I feel like I have maybe like too many Christian friends, because <laughs> I see everything he has. Um, whatever. But uh, it is funny, so I watch them all. Um, but he's this Christian comedian on Instagram and YouTube, and... Um, he's doing pretty well. He's got like 630,000 630, Instagram followers. It's like 50 million views on YouTube. Um, but I was listening to 
an interview with him a couple weeks ago, and he told this story that really hit me. And he was talking about kind of his rise on Instagram, how two years ago he started on Instagram. And no, no, sorry, two years ago he blew up on Instagram. But he was talking about like the early days. Um, so any like OG Instagram users here, do you remember like way back in the day you'd post a photo and it didn't give you a number, it would just like list the names that of the people who liked your photo until you got to 11? And there like wasn't that many people on Instagram at the time, so like you got to 11 and you're like, okay, okay, I'm a big deal, okay, this is a good photo. And then, so you get to 11 and then like more people start jumping on, you get more followers and then Next time it's like, oh, I got 20 likes, I got 30, 50, 100 likes. And he was talking about how that process, you keep setting these goals, but every time you hit that goal, it's the same feeling over and over. And he's at the point where he's getting like 1,000, 10,000, I don't know, 50,000 likes and views on, these, on this content that he's posting. He says, it's the same feeling I was getting when I was getting 11. Because you just always want more. And when... When your only goal is to get more, you're never going to have enough. Howard Hughes said that the amount of money that you need to be happy is just a little bit more. It's unattainable to be happy just based on getting more than you currently have. There has to be something beyond likes and a bigger bank account that's going to bring us joy in this life. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 says that whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. So this passage is written by King Solomon, who was the wisest, most famous, most wealthy man on the planet when he was alive. And he got to do everything and try everything that he wanted to do. He was so wealthy and he was able to do all these things and he had like, he was like goals. We we all think that we want his life, but at the end of his life, he wrote this book called Ecclesiastes where he says, everything is meaningless. The only thing that can actually bring us joy in this life is following God's commandments and serving him. And I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for every person in this room. And I really believe that he has given each and every one of us a dream and maybe you haven't discovered it yet, but I believe that it's out there for you. And once you discover it, I want you to go for it. I want you to chase it. When I was seven years old, I was living in Winnipeg. And uh, I had two older brothers. They were 13 and 15 at the time. And my dad was working at a church. It was a lot like this, actually. He was, um, he was the associate pastor there. And he was doing pretty well. Um, it was, like, pretty comfortable. We had a pretty nice house. And life was good. We were pretty comfortable. Until one day my dad heard about a church that was in another part of the town that was about to close down, and they had eight people left in the church. And my dad went there, and he met with them, and he came back to our family and said, we're moving to this church with eight people. And he quit his job at the big church, and they had promised him this salary that, I mean, through eight people's giving, there was no way that they could support a family of five. It made no sense for them to be able to promise him this salary, but he did it. He was faithful because he believed that God was calling him there. And so we moved um, him with his three young boys who were all in school. And um, 
and through God's provision and allowing the church to grow quickly and be, be blessed in different ways, my dad never missed a paycheck from this church. He was faithful, and as a seven-year-old, I had no idea how ridiculous this was. I was like, okay, we're going to a new smaller church, whatever. Um, but looking back, like, it was so crazy, and people often step into places, sorry, people do not often step into places of less influence and smaller responsibility in their careers. That is a very counterculture move to make, but that's exactly what he did because God had ordered it. And that's what I want to tell you about your dreams today, is that if God has ordered it, he will pay for it. And to clarify, that doesn't mean that you should always be expecting a miracle check in the mail. That happens. My family has been blessed to receive those sometimes, and sometimes it just covers that perfect amount of that bill that you need that's outstanding. But sometimes he pays for our dreams by giving us a job. And it's then on us to be faithful. Because fun fact, if you look at the life of Jesus, he didn't actually start living his dream until he was 30 years old. There's a good chance he started working when he was 13 years old, and it took him 17 years of working to actually get to his dream. In the meantime, he was providing for his family. I like to think he was probably saving some money. But he likely worked for over a decade before he got to live out his dream in ministry. So whatever your dream is, I believe that living that out is where we are most fulfilled and find the most joy. And maybe it doesn't mean that we have a ton to play with. Maybe we're relying on miracles at times. But our money is a tool. It is not the be-all, end-all. If your dream is to travel, awesome, do it. If your dream is to go overseas and be a global worker in communities that need it, awesome, chase that. If it's to be an accountant, great, that's awesome, help people. Do that. We need Christians in every aspect of our societies, influencing and being the hands and feet of Jesus. Whatever your dream is, chase it and trust that God will provide. But as best as you can, get your 4-H's in order before you do it. So I just want to close off with a verse. Um, Hebrews 13, verse 5. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So let's pray. God, I thank you for this group and I thank you for the gifts and the talents and the abilities that are represented here and Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be fruitful and that you would help us to be faithful in how we how we interact with this money, that it would not consume us, that we would not fall victim to it, and that we would not be bound by it. But Lord, that we, we would be faithful with what you've given us, whether it is a lot or a little. And I pray today that walking out of this place, that every person would be able to take one more step to become a little bit more like you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.